Welcome to another edition of the Untold Patriot Stories podcast with Scott Prusak and Dave Usher, where you'll hear stories told by the players and media members. So with the legends, you did 60 interviews. It looks like over seven years, right? Do I get that right? Yes, I don't have any. If you're saying if you say it, it must be true. So you also did you cut you did uh preseason games from 85 to 91 with the Patriots. Obviously, those were some uh some lean years, except for the Super Bowl <laughs> year, and we got lost. Lean so years. It's a, a good way of putting it. <laughs> how, how, lean, did you, how, did, years. how did you how Better did you how did you today they'd say they sucked? Yeah, <laughs> the lean yeah. Years. well, I'm talking like it was back then, too. So. All right, you are that's good. <laughs> um how did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy doing the preseason? I loved, it. Games? I loved doing play-by-play. It was my favorite. I wanted to do that more than anything else. If I had to, if I had to do something other than sit behind the desk, uh, as much as I enjoyed sitting next to Liz Walker and, and all that stuff, I really wanted to do play-by-play. That was first and foremost. Once I got into it and had a chance to got that close to it, I really wanted to do it, but I never really got that chance. Well, you did two games in the NFL, too, right, in 1985? Yeah, I did a couple then, and I, but I couldn't really get out of the desk, behind the desk. Right. Yep. You know, that was really – it wasn't a bad thing. It just wasn't my first thing. But right. you know what? I just always rationalized, God, stop wishing for something when you already have everything you ever thought you were going to have. So it's just – but if you look back on it, you can say you did it, though. You know what I'm saying? That's true. No, I know. I did some Celtics games. Yeah, you did. Johnny filled in for Johnny. Hartford. Yep. Right, with Heinsohn and um, Yep. Yeah, those were memorable things. I haven't forgotten them. Most people have, but I haven't. Yep. Um, so one of the first games you did uh, during the regular season was in September of 85 with Dave Rowe. And, uh, yes. you. You did a game in Rich Stadium and, and the Buffalo Bills and uh, Irvin yes. Fryer had an 85-yard touchdown. Yes. I wonder if you remember the call for that when Irvin Fryer's taken off. I do. I don't remember the call, but I remember it was it was a moment. I clearly remember the play, and uh, it was – I don't know. I hope I gave it justice. Yeah. Well, we hope so because, I mean, that's that's – uh, I just came up with a second book a couple of years ago called Relive Patriots History, and I posted all the TV announcers for all the games that were on TV, and there was many years that they weren't on TV. Right. Can unless WBZ bought the tickets. I know. Can you remember that? I mean, it wasn't didn't seem like it was that long ago. We had to wait till Thursday to see if the game was sold out, so it was going to be on <laughs> local television. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Here, here today, I'm looking at next Sunday's line, between the Patriots and Buffalo Bills. It's a right? different the world. The line's already out for next Sunday, and the weather forecast for next Sunday. Yeah. We used to have to wait till Thursday to see if the game was even going to broadcast, be broadcast. It's a different world. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. We used to go to North Adams State to watch the game or Connecticut. we drive two hours so they could see it Seriously, on TV. If you're a serious fan, you had to get out of town. You did, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you went to the years. game for ten bucks, you know. Or <laughs> you went to the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Pat Sullivan. It's it's funny. I had um before I was was doing all this, I reached out to him, and because uh, like I said, I just 
I, I just enjoy meeting people, talking to them, hearing stories. And, you know, I do, I did a lot of signings with players and stuff. And it was, it wasn't for the fact to do the signing or make money. It was just to be able to talk to them, hear stories. And that's kind of how, how all this started to come to fruition. But I had reached out to him and uh, finally got in touch with him. He gave me his number. So I said, Hey, listen, I, me and me and my friend would love to come up and, you know, we just got a couple of things. If you'd sign them for us, you know, that'd be awesome. He's like, Oh yeah. He goes, you know, come up to the, um, What's it called? Um, Game Creek's video. Green, yeah, Game, Game Creek, Creek yeah, video. Right, right. Creek. I know. So right. he invites he invites us up there, and I'm thinking, you know, we're going to go in there, and you know, he's going to sign the stuff, and you know, we're going to be gone five minutes. We were there for almost three hours. He's, he was. I I can't say enough good things about Pat. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, he took us around. He was showing us all the trucks, and I said, "How did you get started?" And he goes, "I, I forget who actually fired him, but he goes, Scott, he goes." Honestly, it was back then, you know, I was crushed when they let me go. But in, in all honesty, it was the best thing that somebody could have. And I don't, was it, what, it was probably Orthwine, right? Uh, Victor Kayam, probably. Oh, Kayam, okay. Yeah, Kayam, yeah. Don't you think so? Yeah, I, I think so. I, probably. Yeah. So he, so he said, he goes, you know. Probably, I, was, well, I don't know. I just somehow think it might have been. But yeah, he pulled him aside and said, you know, we're going to have to let you go. And uh, he goes, I was thinking at the time, he knew that there was some company that, that had, the video trucks and they were having a tough time and he goes so you know what he goes i figured you know take a shot and buy him and how smart was that he's showing us the control board it looks like something in nasa where all the trucks are and i'm happy so happy for him right yeah just just a super nice guy go back to whole the chucky thing and michael jackson and yeah right everything (laughs) commercial here on fire yeah Yeah. everything that plagued this franchise (laughs) yeah it was uh it was it was always something, and and I remember walking in his office. He showed me the shovel from when they broke ground at at, um, at Foxborough. So he showed me all the stuff, and I look over and I see this hat, and it says um, "To Patrick, your pal Matt Millen." And I was like, <laughs> I, so I started. I, I went like this. I went. I go. Am I am I looking at what I think I'm looking at? Oh, he goes, Scott. Funny thing is, we became friends after we ran into each other, and he. So I. Yeah. So. Wow. Super nice guy. Unbelievable. Yeah, so I uh, met Patrick. I got involved with Andre Tippett's uh, Hall of Fame induction in 2008. And I went out there, and not a lot of Patriots fans went out for Andre Tippett's. I mean, we've had a few since then. And John Hanna was giving the lunch on, you know, one, one of the rooms. So I was the only Patriots fan in the room, you know, with John really? Hanna. And everyone else that was in the room we were people from Canton, Ohio, you know. Unbelievable. So, I got, you know, John brought me, I had done stuff with John before and I got up on stage and I was like, we just, we're talking like you and I talking with Scott. We just sat there and we just went back and forth. And it was like, oh my God, what a thrill this is to be with Hannah at the Pickford yeah, Football Hall of Fame and just kind of just tell stories. You know? He was the first, well, I mean, he was the first when uh, Scott brought up the legends thing. He was the first legend I think we did. I think he was the oh, first well. legend we interviewed. Yeah. And I think he's, I don't think he's been out of Alabama since. No, he grows grass now. He says that's what his yeah, job is. No yeah. grass for the cows. Staying yeah. at home. Yeah, he loves what, it. Was there anybody? Met, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I met Patrick Sullivan that weekend at the, in the Hall of Fame. And uh, he, we're hanging out with Garen Varis and Patrick Sullivan couldn't have been nicer just to show me around and, you know, introduce me to the guys in the NFL network and show me his trucks and, we were there for like an hour and a half. It was like, you know, it was the first time I had met Patrick Sullivan. And like Good Scott guy. said, he just he couldn't have been nicer. It was just an awesome weekend. I agree. Very private guy, though. It doesn't want it. It doesn't want to be, uh, you know, 
I've asked him to do stuff. He's very private. Doesn't doesn't want to be out there. I think he, his, he was not part of the family that looked for any kind of approval. Yeah, yeah. Was there was there anybody? I guess would be a good question for you. So fifty years. Was there anybody that you ever met that you were kind of awestruck by? Like that you were like, I really can't believe I'm you know sitting in a room and talking to him. Was there any? It doesn't have to be a patriot. It can be anybody. Yeah, I think that uh, when I first, the first spring training I ever went to uh, was for this Manchester radio station. And I I remember Yaz was at the batting cage. And I remember him of being like, you know, I didn't know what the hell to ask him. You know, I had him right there. And I didn't, I mean, that was, I guess, panic, for lack yeah. of a better word. Wow. After I got past that, it was, you know, the usual stuff. Yeah. I never, I just kind of put it out of my mind of who, who they were. Like you'd think Ted would have been one of those people or, or would that's have funny. Been, yeah. I was going to ask you about Ted. Yeah. And say bird was a little harder to crack than or and Ted. Yeah. Bird was a little less willing to talk about things, but that was all about his upbringing. Yeah. Right. But I think Yas really was the one, that, and I, you know, I ended up playing golf with him years after, and got along with him really well, and got to know his father really well, and all that stuff, and you know, so it was it was just one of those one of those moments that I'll never forget that I was pretty terrified and asked some stupid <laughs> questions. <laughs> so. What, what, how did you come up with where do we get plays like that? Was it something you just kind of said? Or yeah, was it, it, was a, it was a wise-ass comment. It was, it was typical trying to be a wise guy. <laughs> Lou Gorman traded uh, Jeff Bagwell, and uh, he kept hitting home run after home run and, you know, obviously ended up in the Hall of Fame. But it was just one of those, you know, wise guy comments. Why can't we get players like that? You know, we, and it just kind of stuck, and it just kind of grew from there. And now – kind of permeated every sport it's, it's funny you still i know i know i heard an interview and he was like i hear it every day and you're right it's everybody says it now so every i hear it all the time but i mean i think it's it's cool i mean i like it but i hear it all the time you know it's like yeah yeah but it's nice oh. when you can when you can leave a mock and you know it's, it's yeah, that'll, be on, the tomb, that'll be on the tombstone you know why can't we get players <laughs> like that or whatever uh, yeah well, i saw an interview you did with bob ryan and bob ryan said one of the regrets he had is that we didn't tape Bill Parcells' press conferences, you know, with all the wisdom and philosophy of oh. Bill Parcells. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do with this show is to kind of bring some of that, like you've shared some deep thoughts already with us, and we appreciate that. But, you know, Parcells, uh, when he came and he kind of put this franchise back along with Kraft and Bledsoe, share some of the stories about what the interactions you might have had with Parcells. I just loved him. I just loved the way that uh, he was able. I just loved his sense of humor. It's like, it's like I remember this story. Diossi was telling me about Matt Barr, who was the kicker at the time. He got sick. He had the flu. And Matt Diossi came over to Parcells and said, uh, Coach, I I think Matt's, because Diossi was, Diossi was a long snapper, so he would know. Because he's working out with Bar, so he's, he said, "Match, 
not feeling well. And then Parcells tell him to get sick at his own time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, tell him to get sick on his own time. Oh, he called Terry Glenn. She, he, he always yeah, gave Terry, me that stuff. Right. That was another thing. Parcell. She's going to be, she'll be all right. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine? It's like another one. It's like, well, I expect me to cook the dinner when I can't shop for the groceries. Yeah. That was like Patino's line. You know, Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. Yeah. You know, these were like great quotes of all of Boston's personalities or Parcells. He's only here for like four years, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, He's not yep. even in the Patriots Hall of Fame. Yeah, and it's funny because don't get me started on this. Oh, oh no, no, no. So Bob, me and you <laughs> have a similar no, we have a similar um a, a similar take on this because it's you read my mind. You, you did that, you, you, you answered my question with the two um the two great panels of guests, and so now you did it again. Cause the next question I was gonna ask you was that if you look at the success of this franchise, and you can say, yeah, Belichick Brady, 20 years, blah, 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 blah. Um but nothing really officially started to turn until they hired Bill Parcells, which created interest from the fans because everybody knew Parcells was a marquee name. So he comes in. He started turning the franchise around. Then you bring in Bledsoe, who I like Bledsoe, but it was never my favorite quarterback when he was playing. I like him now because he would throw an interception at the worst time, but that's something totally different. But I, I He did make one of the best pass plays of the Patriots' whole franchise. Let's let's. Let's yep. not forget. Let's not forget the importance of the tuck play, the tuck rule, and the yep. Bledsoe pass. Okay, because oh, yeah. neither one of those things had happened, we wouldn't be sitting here today doing this. Oh yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So, but the question is, is because yeah. I've been on, I've been on my soapbox and and saying that you know Parcells should be in the Hall of Fame. And when we got when, we, when I asked Upton this question, I got the same response that you were going to give. Um, you know, there's, there's there's political reasons why you know he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame with Kraft and blah 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 blah. How can that be? How can you have a Hall of Fame? The guy changed, as Bob just yep. said, he changed the culture. Yeah, changed the culture. It's like Jim Lonborg changed the Red Sox culture in 1967 with Yaz. They right. changed the Red Sox, changed their culture. Parcells changed the Red Sox culture. I mean, the Patriots culture. Patriots forever. Yep. And Fairbanks, the same thing. I right. mean, for one step of another. That's, well, let's leave it with Parcells right now. If there's anybody that deserves to be in the Patriots Hall of Fame, it's Bill Parcells. Right. He's not going to get in because of this, the system, whatever. I, you know, I well, it's not the system. It's Robert Kraft. Well, that's that's what I mean. The system. <laughs> yeah. And I talked to Butch Stearns and Mike Lynch, and they're both on the committee. You know, and and, and Bob, you might be even on a committee in the Hall of Fame. No, I've tried, but you know, you get you got to be in the media to do it. I guess so. Yeah. No, I guess so. Anyway, it's just. That's fine. If it's their Hall of Fame, they can do what they want with it. But don't right, tell right. me it's a Hall of Fame. Right. I don't have to buy right. into it. You don't have the key guy in there. How can it be a Hall of Fame? You don't right. have, you know, Jackie Robinson in your Hall of Fame. Why even have a Hall of Fame? Right. So anyway, okay, shut up, Bob. <laughs> no, it's funny because, you, you know, you uh, when you, you started to say, don't even get me started. I mean, there's been a couple of times where I've kind of went off on a tangent and went on the the bills pass the bill pass sells. Um, it is your system. We, you're the only guy I've talked to that agrees with me on the system. It's it's craft system, and he's going to have the final say. Whether I don't know how they count their votes, but they seem to come up no parcels. Yeah, yeah, and it's sad because, well, like you said, there wouldn't be, 
there wouldn't be any of this stuff if it wasn't for for him. Like, you know, we were talking about we wouldn't be here today if, you know, the whole tuck rule and, and Bledsoe pass didn't happen. I mean, if if Parcells never happened, we might not have had the dynasty. I, that's you guys must have seen the tuck rule on the ESPN 3030 or something. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the most amazing show? I mean, does that crystallize everything in terms of without that happening, none of this would have happened? Yep. I mean, there's so many things that turn like that, you know, and I mean, you look at the the 76 with you know, Ray Hamilton and the, the rough and the passer and all that kind of stuff. And right. Something like that, that changed our franchise for 50, 45 years or something yeah. before something happened. That know? would be true. You know, um, that 76 team was loaded, you know, with they were on the road. We would have won the whole thing, but, uh, you know, a play like that. I mean, there was other mistakes that Patriots made in that game that they, uh, Russ Francis throwing an interception and, you know, and then all that kind of stuff. And, um, but that tuck rule, I mean, and, and even Brady's, you know, kind of in that 30 30, it was pretty interesting to see his point of Maybe view. Sure. Like, oh, Anybody should watch that show. I, if you really want to be an aficionado of, of Patriots lore, yep. you should watch yep. that 3030 show. Yeah, that was Absolutely. a good one. So if you had a in your time covering Boston sports, if you had to say what 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 was the the biggest single play that you that you covered in your time, what do you think the biggest single play would be? I'd have to say it was Vinatieri's 45-yard field goal on the snow. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, pick one thing, but it follows the tuck rule. So, right. it, it, you know, but, but I don't know. That's I mean, there are a lot of other key plays. It's a really tough It's an interesting question, Scotty, but I'd have to say it was – I'll give Vinatieri his due in that 45-yard field goal. Now, were you were you in the stadium that night? Yes. So I was at that game too, and I, I went with my sister. And I actually, when he fumbled the ball, I go, "Let's go," because you you know you're thinking it's the same. <laughs> he I'm didn't like, Let's fumble go. it. No, he didn't right. fumble it. But so we so we <laughs> got up to the top. We got up to the top of the. Um, I was like probably six rows from the field on the Patriot side. So we got up to the. Uh, they had that fence, and then you took a left, and you started to go down. We got there, and then they 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 said that the play was being uh, reviewed. So I said, "All right, hold on a sec." So then they overturned it. So we go back down. Thank God I didn't leave. But um, I just remember that night. I couldn't even see the field goal when he kicked it. I couldn't. I couldn't even see the ball. Like I, I didn't know it went through until everybody put their hands up and started. Amazing. Did you? Did you find that same thing? Could you see the ball? Well, I saw it on. The, I saw that. I don't whether I was in the BZ box or somewhere that was down the other end of the field. So it wasn't that. Difficult to see, but I I've seen it on our photographer's video. Yeah, and you can't. And it was kind of from behind. We can't see it. Yeah, yeah it's it just not readily apparent. You know. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I don't know how he did it, but yeah, he did. Well, the, the, the thing about you know the you know the the uh, December nineteen eighty two the snowplow game, you know, and uh, allowing. Uh, John Smith to get the footing with the Mark Anderson thing, but you know, with John Gruden taking a timeout to allow some of the players to move some of the snow off the field. So Adam could plant his foot. I mean, why does Gruden do that? I mean, I, I, you hear about that all the time. Don't call timeout, maybe kick it in the snow, but 
You know, they gave them an extra 10 or 15 seconds and a good team takes advantage of those kind of um, mental breakdowns on the other side of the field. There you go. I, I don't know. Couldn't say he was trying to ice him. It was already that cold. Yeah, yeah right, right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, but the, the Malcolm Butler play was another one that, uh, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, there's, right. Well, but then again, <laughs> every time, every time you bring up the Malcolm Butler play, it's, there's so many other little things revolving around it, like Pete Carroll play calling and whatever happened to Malcolm Butler. Like what, right. yeah. what happened to this guy that was this heroic mythic figure in Patriot history and disappeared. Oh, Cause they, they, uh, they did with him the same thing they'd done with a lot of other cornerbacks. They had one behind him ready to go and they didn't want to pay him the money. So they let him go. That's that's and that's you know when we were talking about the Patriots always having a plan. There's a long line of cornerbacks. If if he could just, I guess if he could plan the rest of the team as well as he plans cornerbacks and finds undrafted cornerbacks, he'd be a hell of a different team. That seems to be the only position that he can pick an undrafted guy and and have a succession plan. And think of the cornerbacks. I mean, uh, Revis. Um, Gilmore, uh, J.C. Jackson for a year, and then you know he let him go, and you know he had an injury and all that stuff, and you know now we got uh, uh, Marcus Jones, right? Uh, now the, the yeah, well, he's hurt now, but yeah, yeah. But so you see, so you got Jack Jones. Yeah. If he could pick wide receivers, like he picks cornerbacks, we'd have a halfway decent, you know, halfway decent shot, and there's always a plan. So well, look, he had great slot receivers when he picked. He's got between Welker and Edelman and. I mean, he did have tight ends. They really had a pretty good offense going. So yeah. my question to this to you guys, how much do you think he consulted Brady on cornerbacks? He said, if, if there were some cornerbacks out there that you think I should get, who would you name? Would it be Daryl Revis? Would it be, uh, you know, whoever? Um, how much I- consultation do you think Brady went into when he came into Belichick's office and they had these conversations? I'm sure they get into some pretty heavy stuff. And Brady was a, a guy that analyzed and spent a lot of time watching film. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I mean, it never really has come out, but I don't think there's any, he'd have to be consulted, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he's got to study the opposition. And he's going to say, you know, this guy's, you know, I was there, you know, uh, taking pictures for the NFL, you know, and, and watching Daryl Revis and, and just, it was like a, a ballet guy. I mean, he'd be beat and all of a sudden he'd get that extra step. And then that hand would just kind of come in and out of nowhere. And just like, a, you know, this illusion, uh, here's my hand. It's, and he just tipped the pass right out of the way. And I was like, how did he do that? Running full speed against one of the best athletes in the world and just get his finger on it and deflect the pass. I mean, it was magical to watch Revis play and, and Gilmore, you know, winning the uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, yeah, there's no question that Brady had to be involved with that because he, you know, he wanted to be successful and these guys prevented him from being successful. Right, right, right. Yep, it's he He definitely I, see. I don't know, though, because I just don't think that with Belichick's ego, I don't I don't think he um, I think he might have talked to him, but I, I think it was probably known that it was his decision on who they got or not. That, that's just how he comes across. I mean, I don't I know. I understand what you're saying, Scott. You know, but no, I don't know. I was just raising a question, you know, yeah, sitting around speculating. 
how much input Brady had. Obviously, he had all the offensive weapons he needed with Edelman and Gronkowski and Welker and yeah. Amendola and Branch, and you know, throughout the years. A I'll lot tell of years. It's going to make a hell of a book once all the once all the secrets start coming out about how this all fell apart. This is true. <laughs> you know. Well, you know what? You should be the one to write it then. Make sure you're the one to write it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So so now you left BZ, uh, BZ in 2008, but so what what got, what kind of what got you thinking it to starting to do other avenues like, you know, well, I wasn't ready to quit work yet. I mean, under the circumstances under which I left were not the greatest. And uh, yep. I wasn't ready to stop. I mean, I just right. did not want to, you know, I had some health issues, but it wasn't, I seriously wanted to continue to do stuff because I yep. thought I could. Right. And, and you uh, did, and you did, you've, you've managed to stay in and, you know, you, you did the legends, you're doing the podcast now. So it just shows that you, um, you have a love and a passion for it. So, I mean, I that, do. that, that that comes with the overcoming obstacles. You know, you, you did it again, and you you know you're still relevant. You're still out there. You still well, I'm, um, I'm out there. I don't know how relevant it is, but it's it's good to go back and you know if you hang around long enough, people. Yeah. Uh, Bob, don't cut yourself short. I mean, you still. No, no, relevant. I'm not saying. You know, I I I get it. I understand, Scott. I really do. But it's and, just anybody that knows sports knows Boston sports. If you say the name Bob Lobel, I mean, you, you kind of <laughs> were the catalyst for a lot of the. Um, I mean, I don't think radio was back then what it is now, but as far as TV, I mean, you set the standard with um, Sports Final and all that stuff. Now, was that was Sports Final your creation? No, it wasn't. I never, I just stole stuff. I never come up with anything individually. <laughs> Actually, Don Shane was the one that when he was here, he's the one that started Sports Final. Yep. And he just, you know, it, he started it because it was a show that they had. I don't know if it was in Detroit or wherever he was before. So I wanted no part of it to begin with. Really? Well, just I didn't have any clue as to how it was going to work. But once I saw that it was a fixture and it was going to be, you know, here to stay, then fine. I signed up for it. It's the same with Sports Spotlight. Oh, did that one. But Roger Twybell really was the one that really started that. So I'm giving away all the secrets here. <laughs> well, that's it's untold Patriot stories, but it's untold stories. So. No, Twyville started Sports Spotlight. Uh, Don yep. Shane was the one that started Sports Final, but I just stole it from him. To tell you the truth, took it over. Yeah, but they they needed you to make make it successful. And well, that's, for, well, that, well, that's true or not? I don't know. But then everybody started having Sports Spotlight. Uh, not yep. Len Berman, but Mark Marv Albert had did a Sports Spotlight thing, and he put it on David Letterman and. And Ed right. Harding came from Indianapolis. He brought his own type version of Sports Spotlight. Then all of a sudden it became, it wasn't special anymore. It just became yeah. commonplace. Yeah, but like I, like I said, you were the pioneer that started it because you were the one, the first one that did that extra show. Well, after I wasn't going to let it go. It seemed like a great idea. All I could do was make it, try to make it better. That's all. Yeah, was, yeah absolutely. But it was a fun idea. Yeah, it was must-watch TV for for a lot of my childhood. I mean, every, everybody would tune in on, you know, Sunday night. And like I said, I think you were the first one in the market that did that. You know, after the well, eleven o'clock no news, he was, he was the first. Shane was that was the first in the market for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to take credit to you know. I'll take credit for it, but whatever. Yeah, 
<laughs> so I remember just, you know, this is a big thrill for us tonight. And uh, I'll stop it, you guys. I'm really glad I was able to do it. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> so well, I, he- I uh, my first book came out, two, uh, Total Patriots. Um, I'd done a bunch of different shows and I uh, got on uh, different TV shows. And my wife was like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. Let's get out of here. So we, we go to Oregon to, to visit family. And I remember driving and we're away from family. It's Christmas season or something. And, uh, and I told her, I says, you know, all right, I'm in Oregon. No one knows where I am. Um, you know, it's just you and I will just enjoy the country. And uh, I'm not going to do any more interviews. And like five minutes later, a producer from your radio station calls and says, uh, hey, this is Bob LaBelle's show. Can you be on? And I was like, oh, Millie, uh, <laughs> what I just said five minutes ago, uh, Good. we just got to pull everyone. over some. We pulled yes. off to a dirt road in the middle of Oregon on a guy's farm, and I get out of the car and, <laughs> geez, we, you know, you like some Ozark love, story. <laughs> yeah, Eason and Grogan and all that kind of stuff, and she's in the car and she's doing a rosary, and you know, it'd be twenty minutes, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, uh, just, I can't apologize for that. Yeah. No, I mean, I was. It was a thrill for me, and my wife was very patient. You know, good, like, good for uh, Millie, good for her. But this five is, minutes before that, I said, no, no one's going to call. And then five minutes later, funny. you know, I was like, oh, my God. It's like the karma was in the air. And it's like someone's reaching out. They want to hear one more story or whatever and promote my book. Okay, go ahead. Good. Yeah. Good. So I appreciate that. That was a, a special moment. And we laugh about it now, you know. So There's some I, phone calls I, you got to take, Bob, right? No, I appreciate yeah. you taking the call. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks for thanks for coming on, Bob, and uh, maybe we can have you on again. Anytime I'm here, you know that. Thanks. All right, Bob, have a good night. All right, have a good night. That's your closing. Yeah, go Pats. Thanks for listening to Untold Patriot Stories with Scott Prusak and Dave Usher. Please follow us on whatever platform you download your podcasts, and be sure to tell your friends.